Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the Stations of the Cross. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on those running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and it is my honor to serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Now, the Stations of the Cross is something that I remember heavily from my Catholic days. I'm nodding my head. Yes, you would remember it from your Catholic days. Have you seen it in any of the Lutheran churches since you've become Lutheran? No, I haven't. And I mostly associate it, at least in this town, with the grotto. I've heard the grotto has beautiful spaces for these kinds of pieces. And I believe I've been to the grotto with my parents, the Catholic ones, but I can't remember if we actually did the Stations of the Cross. I'm going to go with no. So my question is, what are the Stations of the Cross? For people who have no idea what we're talking about. Exactly. But my memory is way too rusty. So (laughs) thankfully we printed this out. (laughs) Well, the Stations of the Cross, just to begin, are like a, a way that you can walk through the experience of Jesus's, it's the hard part of the story. Yeah. Right. So the Stations of the Cross are separate individual stations that you typically walk to. They're usually spaced around an area, whether they're spaced around a garden area or maybe they're spaced around a room, but there's space in between each one. So you actually have to physically stand up and walk to another space. Get up and move. In Get up my and move. church as a kid, they were some of the stained glass windows. Yes. So you would have to move around the church. Many churches have art in that way, where the different parts of the story are told in stained glass or they're told in wooden plaques, but they're not all right next to each other. It's not like you go and you sit in one spot and you look at this image or you hear this story and then you look at the next one. It's not like reading a book. You actually have to physically walk around or move around in Mm -hmm. order to get to each of the different places. Or you get stuck. Like, I remember we must have always sat by the station where he stumbled because that's the stained glass window that I remember most. (laughs) There you go. So if you have like a regular pew and it's a stained glass window, there you go. That's what you're going to remember. Yep. And each one of these places, each one of these stations then, tells a small piece of the story from, well, it's after the Last Supper, uh-huh. And one version starts in the Garden of Gethsemane when before he's betrayed. And one version starts after he's already been condemned to death. Okay. So there's different starting points for the stations, but each one tells a small piece of the story along the way. And I do mean small piece because some of these I'm like, really? I got to move to see this new <laughs> part of the story? It's such a small bit. <laughs> It always confused me as a child. Right. When I've seen it done before, some of them I had a really hard time finding the scriptural basis of. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. So some of them may or may not be as so easy to find in the scripture, which I think is where the two different versions of the stations that are easy to find find their differences. One of them is a much more Catholic background, and so it has some of the story that's not specifically in scripture. Okay. Versus ones that are a little bit more scripturally bound. So the one that you're familiar with from the stained glass is the first one. So there are 14 stations to the Stations of the Cross. There's an optional 15th station to show the resurrection. Okay. But there are 14 stations of the cross. 
And in the traditional one, it starts with Pilate condemning Jesus to die. Now, did we do a podcast on who Pilate is? I believe he's come up before, yes. All right. So see, we've got all these throwback Thursday and flashback (laughs) Friday opportunities now. We can start bombarding people with these. So Pilate is the kind of local token government Mm -hmm. that condemns Jesus to death. So that's where we start with that one. And then we go on to Jesus accepting his cross. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus falling. Mm Mm-hmm. It's Jesus Falls for the first time. Yes. This is where, as a kid, I think I started rolling my eyes because he falls a lot. It's a heavy cross. (laughs) It's a heavy cross. Jesus meets his mother, Mary. Then Simon helps carry the cross. Mm -hmm. Veronica wipes the face of Jesus. Now, this is the one that I really, really know because when I was confirmed Catholic, you were supposed to pick a name. I picked Veronica because I thought it was a cool name. That's it's like. So then I got to make my stole and it said Veronica on the side. It was kind of awesome. So if we call you Veronica now? Yeah. Good friend of mine who was in the class with me. He was calling me Vern for a long time. And do you know more about her? Not a thing. Because I picked her based on the name because I was a teenager at the time. That's what you do. There's really nothing but this on Veronica. That's wow. it. That and the fact that the cloth that she uses to wipe. No, it's not even the Shroud of Turin, is it? Mm-hmm. Nope. She's got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> she really doesn't. That's it. That's it. One I, claim to fame. There you go. All right. So back to the station. Station number seven. Jesus falls well, for, for the, the second, second time. time. Eight. Jesus meets the three women of Jerusalem. I think this must be why I was entranced by Veronica, because she actually got to be named. Oh. She didn't do much. She got a name. Yeah, it is very unique that mm-hmm. she has a name in this. And she doesn't make it to the modern because oh, no. she's not. I don't know that she's in the scripture. I think that she is one of the stories that comes from sure. Catholic tradition. Well, I remember that trying to do the research on the name and being very disappointed that there wasn't much. And yeah. then I was elated that there wasn't much because <laughs> I was done. <laughs> Ta-da! Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, number nine, Jesus Falls for, for the third, third time. time. 10, Jesus is stripped of his clothes. 11, nailed to the cross. 12, dies on the cross. 13, taken down from the cross. And 14, placed in the tomb. So those are the traditional. Those are the ones that you grew up with. Mm -hmm. The ones that I have seen used and the ones that I have actually used in a Lutheran church are more contemporary and easier to find within the actual scriptural accounts. Now, it's not... It's not in every single gospel, like these different pieces, because our gospels are individual enough that they each tell the story in a little bit different way. Okay. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are going to tell it in a way that is very similar to one another, but still have minor discrepancies and minor differences. Okay. John is quite different from the others and has several details that aren't in any other gospel. So these 14 stations are kind of like something that can be done on Good Friday, which is called the last words of Christ. Okay. And it's the seven last words, but it's his last words from all the different gospels. It's not like it's one gospel and you hear his words. It's like this amalgamation of all four gospels. The stations of the cross are similar to that. Okay. And so we start with Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And this is the point where Jesus is saying, take this burden away from me. If you can take this away from me, I don't want to, I don't want to die. 
I really don't want this. And then continues to pray and eventually comes to the the line that many people know, even if they haven't been in the church, they've heard, not my will, but thine be done. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first station. So at each of these stations, and I'm a little more familiar with these, so we're going to take our time talking about a little bit about what each of these mean. Perfectly fine. At each of these stations, then, the invitation as you participate in the Stations of the Cross is to meditate on it, Mm -hmm. to listen for what it's saying to you. You don't have to know everything in order to begin to hear from the different stations. Really, when you do this kind of a devotion, Mm -hmm. this kind of an experience, going into it with an open heart and open mind and reading the story and then asking yourself, what word or phrase jumps out to me? What part of this story is speaking to me right now? What does it have to say to me in my life? What does it have to say to the world right now? Those are the kinds of questions. There's no right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And you're not trying to tell anybody else what is right or wrong about it. You're just listening for the spirit to give you thoughts and ideas. So Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, perhaps there will be a picture, a description, a portrait, or an image or something that offers the opportunity to ponder that space of knowing that there's something difficult ahead of you and not wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. but still choosing to move forward to do the difficult thing and for Jesus to do the sacrificial thing. So step two, Jesus is betrayed by Judas and arrested. So this is the point where we see that our Savior was human enough to have really close friends who betrayed him. Mm-hmm. He knows what it's like to be backstabbed by a dear friend. And I don't know about you, but that's one of the most painful experiences in life. Pretty much. To have that kind of a betrayal from someone that you love and trust. And so to know that Jesus has had that experience and knows what it's like to be betrayed in that way and that he doesn't react to it with more violence Mm -hmm. is a fascinating part of our story. So next, Jesus is condemned by the Sanhedrin. So this Sanhedrin is a group of religious elders who put Jewish people on trial. Okay. And they don't have the actual authority to sentence someone to death, but they have the authority within their community to say that this is what we believe needs to happen to this person. Okay. They can recommend it. They can recommend it. So this is Jesus being put on trial by his own community, his own church community, and being condemned by his own group of people. Okay. So that's what's happening here. Next... Jesus is denied by Peter. So Peter is, many people have heard of St. Peter's Basilica, Mm -hmm. right? It's this Peter (laughs) that becomes the rock upon which the church is built that is outside of the court where Jesus is being tried by the Sanhedrin. And over the course of the night when this trial is happening, Peter continually denies that he is a part of Jesus's cohort. So it's another betrayal of sorts. It's another huge betrayal. It's another huge one. And it is warned of during the Last Supper. Jesus says to Peter, I tell you, by the time the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And Peter's, no, never. I would never do that. Lord, I would rather die. Now, how does Peter not suffer the same fate that Judas did, though? Well, Judas turned 
Christ over Complete. for money. Okay. It's the money aspect. It's the money aspect. It's like literally selling out your friend. Okay. And so he gets the silver, he gets the money in order to turn over Jesus. And then he tries to give it back to the Jewish authorities mm -hmm. and they don't want it because it's blood money. Sure. And his shame is so extreme. Okay. That, that can't process. Have we done a podcast on Judas? Yes. He's come up. Yeah. I thought he had, because I think that Judas really thought that if he pushed Jesus that Jesus would become the military Messiah and zealot that had been promised. Okay. I think Judas believed in Jesus more than anyone and really thought that if I turn him over and he gets arrested, that's when he's finally going to overturn this government. And we're going to get the we're gonna, fate that we are all expecting. Exactly. We're finally going to get to see the Messiah that we're expecting. I don't think that Judas ever believed that Jesus would allow himself to be killed. Hmm. And so as soon as Jesus was actually arrested and didn't just wipe them out and didn't just turn the tables over right then and there, that he let himself be arrested, that he let himself be tried, that he let himself be crucified, I think the grief in that for Judas was so extreme that he misunderstood. Mm -hmm. I think that that is where his suicide comes in. Okay. So back to Peter's betrayal, he denies Jesus three times and so that is another one of those moments where you see Jesus being betrayed and being lost by those who have promised to be as close as possible with him. Next, Jesus is judged by Pilate. So since the Sanhedrin, since the Jews can't actually condemn him to death, they send him to the local Roman authority, sure. which is Pilate, and have him judged by Pilate. Pilate, again, is someone else that we have talked about mm -hmm. and is a really interesting character in a really interesting situation. Because it's almost like Jesus is the actual judge, but Pilate goes along with it. It's a fascinating conversation. Mm -hmm. So I commend the previous podcast to you. Number six, the next station is Jesus is scourged and crowned with thorns. Basically, he's tortured. Yeah, I always hated that crown of thorns. Why so? Because that was a really disgusting image as a child. Yeah. That was not happy. Yeah, it's gross. Mm -hmm. And especially in a day of movies such as have been made in the recent decade. Mm -hmm. And I think in some places and cultures, it's almost helpful to have images like that mm -hmm. because they experience that kind of violence and pain. And so knowing that Jesus experienced that violence and pain can be helpful to know you're not alone. Sure. And for those who have not been in that kind of a violent situation, it can really be hard to it, see and to hear. It's disturbing imagery for me. Absolutely. And I think it's supposed to be. Well, yeah. Yep. So next, Jesus takes up his cross and starts to carry it to the place in which he will be nailed upon the cross. So that is number seven. Number eight, Jesus is helped by Simon of Cyrene to carry his cross. So after he's been beaten, he's tired. He's having a difficult time, probably quite a bit of blood loss. I noticed there's no actual stumbling in this particular list. Right. He doesn't fall three times no. in this one because that's not in the scripture, right? Okay. So Simon of Cyrene is in the scripture and he is compelled to carry the cross for Jesus for some time. And as they're walking along, then comes number nine, when Jesus meets the women of Jerusalem and has words for the women of Jerusalem. Next, Jesus is crucified. That's probably sufficient to talk about in this podcast. I think so. Pretty self-explanatory. 
Number 11, Jesus promises his kingdom to the repentant thief. So Jesus is not the only one on the hill that day. There are three crosses on the hill that day. One thief to his left and one thief to his right. And the thieves are bickering and that kind of a thing. And one says, why do you mock this man? He's innocent. We deserve what we're getting. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, truly, you will be with me today in paradise and promises the repentant thief this new life. Next, Jesus entrusts Mary and John to each other. So again, we're skipping from gospel to gospel. That's the part in here that gets interesting. And what this is, is it's his mother, Mary, Uh and the beloved disciple. And Jesus looks down on them and says, mother, see your son, son, see your mother. And basically looks at them and says, take care of one another after I'm gone and unites his beloved disciple and his disciples with his biological family. Okay. It says care for one another. Number 13, Jesus dies. And number 14, Jesus is laid in the tomb. So those are the 14 stations with biblical grounding that are used a little more commonly now. Mm -hmm. I've used them in my first call. We set up a stations of the cross to be there throughout Holy Week. Okay. During the daytime, and we had binders that you could pick up a binder, and then each station had the scripture that it was related to. So you would go to that station and sit down, you could read the scripture, and then look at the art. And really, what's interesting about the stations is the messages that you can portray by the art that you choose. Mm-hmm. I have a colleague who's putting together one this year, and they're choosing images, contemporary images. Huh of war zones and would be interesting. refugees and contemporary painful topics mm-hmm. in order to show that this story that Jesus and this path that Jesus walked is still walked by people today. Well, that was somewhat interesting about the church that I grew up in, in that it was built probably somewhere in the mid-1900s, and the stained glass windows reflect that in that they have a very 1950s, 1960s look to them, including the people in the Stations of the Cross, Mm. instead of going back and portraying the time where he actually would have lived. Wow. Yeah. The imagery is definitely still with me. I bet. And that's a powerful thing. I mean, I think that's one of the things that we don't always recognize is the power of Christian art Mm -hmm. and the power of Christian art to tell our story. We're going to have to do that on another podcast. Well, I'll try to do it. Honor, I'm not the best at talking about it. We can have guests. That would be great. Yes. And I think when I did this, I really enjoyed going towards more contemporary art that was... You had to use your imagination, maybe, to see where it was. Contemporary or abstract? Both. Okay. I think that the Jesus is crucified. There's a piece that I really, really strikingly remember. And it was a red background, and then it had black marks, like a dot and then a swipe. Okay. In, like, the five wounds. Okay. There were different ways, or maybe that was the one where he was being whipped. Okay. Right? So there are different ways that you can portray the event without it having to literally be a picture of Jesus 
contemporary at that time doing. So you can play with how you Mm -hmm. do it. One of the years I invited people to make the art and to bring it in and the youth to make it and bring it in. And one woman brought in, she had a door that was a a wooden door from Germany that was Uh carved and told that panel of the story. So we just had this big door set up in the sanctuary for you to sit and look at these carvings. Oh, wow. So you can really have some interesting opportunities and you need to be intentional. I mean, anytime you use an image in worship or an image to portray something, you need to be really intentional about it Mm -hmm. because images are so much more powerful than just words. Mm -hmm. You can elicit responses with an image that is really hard to get with words. It Mm -hmm. might take me 10 minutes to tell you about a tragedy that has happened in our world and it'll take two seconds, if it even takes you two full seconds, of looking at pictures from the news. And you're going to be ready to move on because you've seen the horror and the pain quickly enough, right? Yep. So I think when we do these things, when we have the Stations of the Cross, we have a wonderful opportunity to elicit emotional participation and even embodied participation because we're physically moving We're not just receiving, we're standing up and we're walking and we're seeing, and we're offering that opportunity that is not, not something that we always get in worship. True. So that's the Stations of the Cross. Is it typical to do the Stations of the Cross in a Lutheran church or is it not as much? I've heard of it off and on in every church that I've served. Okay. And another way to do it is the way of the cross. And here in North Portland, There have been in the years that I've been here, and I've not heard about it this year, which is a little strange, so I need to do some looking into it, but there's a walk. So people meet at a church. Oh, I think I remember this from last year. And then they walk the 14 stations, and each station is at a different location. So I think it's like two to four miles that you end up walking in the North Portland area. And last year, they were really focused on talking about the homelessness and housing crisis. And they went to the different locations to show how this ties into our faith story. And so I haven't heard about the Way of the Cross this year, but I'll look into it and see if it's happening next week. Or this week, because the podcast will be coming out yep. right as we walk into Holy Week. Absolutely. And that's the typical time that you would do the Stations of the Cross. Absolutely. It's one of the, and you can do it any time in Catholic churches. You see it all year round at the yeah. grotto. It's always there. But it's very normal to take the time to intentionally engage the Stations of the Cross during this Holy Week. That makes sense. All right, last question. What's the most meaningful station for you? I think it changes from year to year. That makes sense. And I think depending upon where I am and how I'm feeling and who I'm resonating with will bring a different year. I think the art pieces that I remember the most from doing the stations are the Jesus promising his kingdom to the repentant thief and when Jesus is beaten. Mm-hmm. Some of those were really, really powerful images. And I'll tell you the one that I don't normally engage with is Simon of Cyrene. Okay. I don't know why, but it just doesn't. I'm like, buddy, helping him with the there it is. Good job. Not it. Moving All right. On. Like, it just does not. It, I have not been in the phase of my life yet where that has spoken to me. That is interesting. 
I'm solidly in the Garden of Gethsemane with something big's coming. Yeah. Don't know how I'm going to get through it, but you just got to get through it. Yeah. And with Veronica. Well, yeah. That was the obvious choice. (laughs) Such a great name. It's a good name. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Stations of the Cross. I look forward to sitting down with you another time on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. I hope that if you are in a place and a space where you can join for Holy Week worship services, that you will come and join us or your local congregation to learn more about this great story. I highly, strongly commend to you taking the journey from Maundy Thursday to Good Friday to Holy Saturday to Easter and really delve into the story. And uh, if you can come and join us, That would be wonderful to have you. You can find more on our website at www.centralportland.org or on our Facebook page. As always, we would love to hear from you. And if you would like to email us, you can reach us at podcast at centralportland.org. Have a blessed Holy Week. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.